way to figure out and, and to see discipleship is to see the way that Jesus disciples his disciples. And because we're disciples, we really look to his example of how he did things. So this week, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times, um, and this is feedback I got from first service, is a lot of people were saying, hey, we talk a lot about the Father, we talk a lot about Jesus, but we, we don't really talk that much about the Holy Spirit. And it's very true. Today, we're going to dig um, pretty deeply into what Jesus tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit. And this idea of help starts to really come out. Now, I was, uh, as I was preparing this week, I thought, I usually think a lot about music. I, I'm a big music fan. And so I started looking over all different types of music and songs that deal anything with help. And I'm not really a Beatles fan, but in the mid-1960s, um, they had a song called Help! Exclamation point, And I knew I had found my opening illustration. All right? And it, it starts off like this. Help! Exclamation point. All right? I need somebody. And I'm not going to sing it for you, so don't get excited. But it also says help again. Um, not just anybody. And the song goes through. And it's basically saying this. When I was younger, I didn't need any help. But as I get older, I really realize that I need help. And so today we're going to dig deeply into this idea of help is here. Now we know something from the way, what Christina just read to us. The disciples are in a very unique and difficult place. At the very end of these verses, it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. So we know something automatically is that they're troubled and they're afraid. And Jesus is telling them, hey, this is what I'm planning. This is what's going to happen. So if you can just imagine with me for just a second what that upper room must have looked like. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them that he is going to leave. Now I think a big reason that they're troubled and they're afraid is because Jesus was really their world. And they had left their families in some respect to follow Jesus. They had left their jobs to follow after Jesus. They had really put their whole life into following him. And now he says, I'm going to be leaving. And I think you get the emotion of the disciples at this particular point. They were feeling probably like being abandoned, left behind. They were feeling like, how do we continue going without you? Because everything in their lives was so centrally focused on Jesus. And now he tells them, I'm going to be leaving. But I want us to dig deeply in today. How does he say and what does he say as a reason for them not to be troubled? To not be afraid. And we're really going to pull off the first couple of verses. It's interesting. Let's look back at it just for a second. In verse 16 it says this. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. So God is going to provide a helper. Now, all of us pretty much know we need some kind of help. Even from the very, very beginning of uh, from birth, we know that child needs help. All right. And you continue through life, you constantly are needing help. If you can't get a subject, you need a tutor, all right? If, if something in your life has gone in a way that you didn't expect and you've been traumatized in some way, you might need a counselor or a therapist. You know that we need help. My oldest son right now is learning, uh, he's getting his license, and I hired a driver's ed guy to help him, all right? So my son does not pick up on all my bad habits, all right? 
it is there. We know to some degree we need help, but the older we get, the more I think we realize we need help. And here Jesus is saying, I know that you guys need help. I know that you all need help. And I am going to send an advocate. I am going to send a helper. I am going to send a comforter to you. Now, if you were to take different Bible translations, like the ESV, the NIV, the NASB, we can do all the letters, all right? There's a lot of translations. There's also a lot of different ways that this Greek word is translated. Sometimes it's comforter. Sometimes it's advocate. Sometimes it is um, all of these different things to talk about what God was going to give. And that really kind of took me to a spot to think about this. If it's so hard to pick out one word in English to describe this, it really tells us the complexity of what God was saying here, what Jesus was telling them. I am going to send to you and all these different words come out of it. It's complex. When we think about the Trinity, it is a complex doctrine. It's difficult for us in our finite minds to think, well, how can there be a father, a son, and the Holy Spirit? And they're not parts. They're very integrated. There's a fabric. There's a relationship between these, these persons how does that work? And I remember when I was in seminary, there was a class being offered that was the doctrine of the Trinity. And I thought, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to know. And I came out and I realized this. It's really got to be by faith. This is something so dizzyingly uh, difficult for us. But we see these different persons in such a special way. And the way that God works in our lives through in such an amazing way that God uses it to influence, to bring us into relationship with him. And you see here the spirit coming out of this. Because if we're going to know what it means to be a disciple, we want to see what God has given us to take us and the walk that God has called us to. So the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And one of the words that's used in these translations is this idea of advocacy. An advocate. Now, when you hear that word, probably lots of different things come to mind. And this week, I read a story that came from the Dave Thomas Foundation. If you know of that guy, Dave Thomas, he was the, the guy who um, started Wendy's. And he did a big thing where a lot of the profits that came about from Wendy's went into helping children find homes and, and adoption and fostering, all these kinds of things. Well, the story was a story about a girl named Macy. And Macy, uh, she had lost her mom and dad both to addiction. She lost her dad when she was two, and she lost her mother when she was 11. And she was bouncing around from home to home. And it was an absolutely, when you, when you read it, when I read the story, I just thought, how can one child deal with all of these things, completely external, none of her choices, but how could she deal with all this? Well, when she got into middle school, there was a woman who worked inside of the office, and her name was Gigi. And Gigi met Macy really early in her middle school career and realized and read the story and heard about what was going on, and she became an advocate for Macy. When Macy got in trouble, it was Gigi that was there to help. When, when, um, when Macy showed up to school without breakfast, Macy, uh, uh, 
Macy got food from Gigi. And Gigi would help make sure there was lunch and make sure she went home with dinner, make sure that she was dressed and made sure she had all the school supplies that she needed. And Macy became this incredible advocate for this little girl where teachers were looking at Macy saying, well, there's a problem and, and she doesn't, she's neglectful of her work and she misbehaves. Gigi didn't see those things about Macy. Gigi saw this little girl who had a story that was to be written and she needed an advocate. She needed someone to walk beside her through that process. And I wanna to assert to you today is that when we see what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he's an advocate. He walks alongside of you. And as Jesus is sharing with the disciples what the Holy Spirit has come to do, you see this idea of walking but also that the Spirit is deeply in us. And a good definition, I think, today for the Holy Spirit for us is the Holy Spirit is the divine resident of a believer's heart. It is a gift to us from God the Father and Jesus. As a, there is a way to walk through this world. There is a way to live by being led and directed, cared about, loved, and comforted by God. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift. Now today I want us to see just three things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. These roles of the Holy Spirit that I think help us to understand how we are to live. Like it encourages us in really difficult times to know we have an advocate. Just like Macy had Gigi. With the Holy Spirit lives in us, resides in us, cares for us, walks with us directs and guides and leads us. And I want us to see what Jesus specifically tells his disciples about the Holy Spirit. The first thing I want us to see is something that Jesus does I find so interesting. If you go back to what Christina read, you notice that Jesus says something about the Spirit that I thought was a real standout. He uses a pronoun, a masculine pronoun, and says he. Now, I think there's something really key for us in that pronoun. It's showing us the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit isn't some faraway entity. The Holy Spirit isn't some distant, out there, like, uh, like completely not connected. But there's actually a very, very personal relationship that we have with God's Spirit. So he takes it and he shows us that this is a person. And you look through scripture in the New Testament and multiple times you see interesting emotions that are, that are attached to the spirit. There's one verse that I've held on to very dearly. And it's this, that the Holy Spirit grieves when we grieve. Think about that just for a second, that the Holy Spirit knows your emotions so intimately, so holy, okay, that he feels as we feel things. And when you go through something horrible and a struggle and something miserable, realize this, that the Holy Spirit grieves alongside of us. When you start to think that way, when you start to see the Spirit like that, you see the personal nature that God has given to us and the desire for relationship, that even the emotions we experience, he experiences alongside of us. You go a little bit deeper and you see that there are times where the brokenness of our world grieves 
the Holy Spirit. The sin and, and shame and guilt of the world grieve the Spirit. You see times where the Spirit is angry and you start to put all of these things together and you see that the Spirit is a person and deeply, deeply invested and interested in us as people. You know, I go back to that story of Macy and Gigi. Gigi was so connected to what Macy was going through. She would wait for her every day as she arrived from to school. She would make sure that every detail was done because she cared so much. It was personal for her to go through that with this little girl named Macy. And you know what? Macy had no one else. But Gigi stepped into that void, stepped into that space to be an advocate and bring some sense of comfort and hope. Because I'm sure that Macy had some of the resources that she needed, but we desperately need that love and comfort and attention and connection that Gigi provided. And I see our Heavenly Father provides the Spirit for us so that we know that we're cared about. It's very personal. And the Spirit is a very personal person for us as people. And you start to think about this just for a second. Why would God do this? Why would he provide for us in this way? And to me, the bottom line is he desperately wants relationship with us. He calls us and we're bought with a price, all right? A very costly price. The life of Jesus, we're bought with that price. And you know what? That is a moment of the most sacrificial love you could ever imagine. But it doesn't end there. There's a walk that we go through in our lives and God provides his spirit in such a personal and intimate way to walk alongside of us. The second role and the thing I think that comes out from this passage for me is what Jesus calls the spirit. He says the spirit of truth. Now I think truth is such a keystone central part of everything that, that is being put out to the disciples in this moment. They need truth. They are about ready to enter into a world where truth was something that I think people were hunting for. And today we see the same thing. And Jesus directs them and says, this is where you find truth in the spirit. You start to look through scripture and you find some interesting things about the Holy Spirit. See, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and chapter 2, you see something about the Spirit does that I think sometimes we miss out on. See, the Spirit of truth is the one where when people were writing God's word, they weren't writing of their own words. They were inspired, and 1 Peter 1 tells us that they were actually carried by the Spirit. It says one author put it this way, that the Holy Spirit is the author of God's word. And it's important for us to connect with that because here is truth. Truth has been given to us and God has preserved and provided his word for us. And he uses the spirit. The spirit is the one that has given and, and has carried those writers and applies it to our hearts. And if we see the spirit as being impersonal, we miss out on the incredible nature of what God's word is. I wear these contacts. They're called scleral contacts. And I don't know if any of you have those, but they're like large contacts. They're about this big. 
and they're super uncomfortable and all this stuff. Well, they're really expensive. Thankfully, my insurance paid for them the last time. All right. But if I put the, con the big contact case out and I put it out here for you to see and I tell you all about it um, and all the facts about scleral lenses and how you wear them and how you fill them with a gel and you, you know, and all this kind of stuff, those are just facts. But if I tell you that when I put them in and you could experience things the way that I experience them, where I go from not being able to see to being able to actually read and like being able to do things like drive, you would understand because of the personal nature of it, the efficacy of those contacts, they become alive. And I want to tell you this, I put those contacts in and the world comes to me. It, I can actually see it. It's actually semi-clear and all of a sudden things I can't do apart from those lenses, all right? But now I can do them. And I think that I capture a little bit about this because scripture is the lens that we see the world in. The way that God's spirit works in us and shows us his word and applies it into our hearts. In my, my view is like the beauty of seeing truth and having a guide and having safety and security. And I think sometimes when we don't see God's word or we're not in it, or we're not invested, we feel those moments of being alone. We feel those moments of what is true and what is not. And I believe God's spirit directs us to his word because Jesus says, this is the spirit of truth. And we're in a world today that is struggling deeply with truth. What is right? What is wrong? And Everything becomes semi-relative in so many parts of our culture. And I see Jesus directing his disciples and us as well and saying, this is where you find truth. Truth through the spirit that works in us, the divine inhabitant of the believer's heart. It's the spirit of truth. The third thing that I see Jesus that says here, that the Holy Spirit is, is personal, a spirit of truth. But finally, I want us to see is this idea of a counselor, a counselor, this advocate, this one who, who, who sees us and walks through life with us as a comforter. He defends as he encourages us. He convicts us and challenges us. And I think sometimes we look at God's word as just a bunch of facts. When I see this as so much more of a relationship, there's a place of hope and security that's found in it. And this idea of an advocate, a comforter, must have sustained those disciples as they went out through life. But I also want us to think of it this way. If God's spirit is an advocate and a counselor for us, look at the reverse. How does the Bible describe evil or the devil? How, does it, how is he described and I want us to see the real word that comes out of that, whether it's in Hebrew or in Greek, is the idea of accusations. See, the, the exact antithesis of the spirit is the accuser, the one that's pointing, the one that's the reminding of the shame and the guilt and the freedom that we have because of God's spirit work in us is knowing your identity is not in the brokenness and the sin and the, 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 all of those things that you feel guilty and shameful over, but your identity is found in Christ and his sacrifice and work on your behalf 
at the cross and you see the accusations of evil, but on the other side, you see the advocacy of the spirit. And those two things, I think, go at war in our hearts. If you've ever had those moments of feeling like no value and worthless and there's no point or you're, you're completely the, the sum of all of your brokenness, that's the version of accusation. But what does the spirit say about us? What does this text say about us? Is what it is saying is you are mine. You are God's. You are paid for with a price. You are that deeply loved and cared for that he would go to those lengths by choice to bring you into his family. One of the incredible parts I think about these verses is what Jesus says to his disciples. Look for just a second with me at verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. Now, he brings in this idea of an orphan here. And I think it's because that must have been what the disciples felt most deeply in their hearts. They felt like they were going to be left. They thought it was kind of over for them as a group. I think that's what he's addressing here. And he used the word orphan to say, I'm going to give you the spirit to walk alongside of you as an advocate, a comforter, all these words that I've been talking about today, because you are mine. See, the idea of adoption, if you go to Galatians chapter 4, I think it's one of the most beautiful pictures of adoption you can look at. Because there it says you were adopted as sons, and you have to take an ancient view of this idea of adoption as sons. See, this is what would happen in that world. If you were adopted, it actually meant you had more rights than a biological child. Okay, I'll say that again. In the ancient world, when the text was written, if you were adopted, you actually had more rights as a than a biological child. And it worked out this way. The viewpoint was that if you were a biological child, you, the parents, they had no choice who you were. All right? They got what they got and they got that kid, right? But adoption was very different because adoption was by choice. Adoption meant that you would actually go and legally take someone by your choice and you brought them into your family. So they did at that point, they actually became an heir legally in that culture. So when Galatians uses the idea of adoption, it is saying this is your standing and you are even more than, 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 than a child. You are legally an heir. And you have been chosen and brought into the family by God. Okay? This is incredibly deep. This is some of the best news you can imagine. When we say the gospel is good news. The beauty of being chosen by God and saying, I choose you. And I go back to that story of Macy and Gigi, because as Macy went through her years of college, she and, and Gigi became so close. Gigi was really that mother figure for her. He, she fought for her. She gave for her. She sacrificed for her. She loved that girl so much. She gave her resources. She made it happen. And one day Gigi said to Macy, Macy, I want to adopt you. I want you to be in my family. 
And the Dave Thomas Foundation did such a great job by showing pictures and the beauty of this relationship because Gigi said, I want you, I want you to be part of my family. And a little bit, I connect very deeply with God's Spirit's work in us. Do you realize as a believer, you are adopted? You were chosen. You were brought into the family. And if you ever have those feelings of being worthless or, or devalued or you feel like self-destructive internally, know this, that you were bought with a price, that God loves you, that he cares deeply for you. And he says, I don't just save you, which is an application of the spirit, but I give you the spirit to live with you and to walk with you because you are mine. I take that today and I think, man, thank God, I am a Macy. I am an Macy that God in his love gave us himself, called us into his family and loves us dearly today. So if we connect with what it means to be a disciple, it is to know this, that your heavenly father loves you so much and walks and resides and inhabits you as a believer today. You are valued, you are loved, and you are important and special to him. And today, may we see more clearly because he has given his spirit of truth to us. Let us be deeply digging into God's word. What does he say? What does he say about you? What does he call you to do as part of your life? And when I think you see that, you see the opportunity that we have moving forward. Because the beautiful story of Macy and Gigi doesn't end there. Today, Macy is an advocate for other foster children and helping orphans to find a place and a home because she had experienced it too. And I want each one of us to connect even more that when you see the adoption you have and the grace of Jesus Christ in your life, may it free us to be that same Gigi in other people's lives, knowing we're saved by grace. It's not something that we did, but we have been given the spirit because God loves and values you. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for your mercy and grace. Father, may we today, as we lift up our voices, as we think about the words that we sing, Father, as we think about what we have been given in you, may we be people that celebrate, that rejoice. Lord, that see your word not as a bunch of facts, but as something personally given as a gift to us. Father, may the person of the Holy Spirit open up our eyes and our hearts to the beauty of who you are, who you made us to be, and the calling that we have. And we ask all of these things in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the song we're going to sing next is a song that's been sung in this church for probably the entirety of uh, my life. Um, And when we sing songs so often, um, the words have the danger of getting a little known. But I think with the word we've just heard now, I hope that these words can be fresh again to you if, uh, if you have known this song as long as, uh, as, long as I have. Um, and we can remember what, what this means that we're asking for and what we're asking the Lord to do through this song. Um, I'm going to play piano.
before I bring the band in, let's sing this one time as a church. Would you sing with me? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. You're 